welcome. And today I share with you a wonderful conversation that I had with an Ayurvedic physician named Dr. Ram Tamang. And that's T is not a T, it's a soft T, Tamang. And I think it's important that we try to pronounce people's names correctly. Dr. Ram is at the Healing Gardens of Ayurveda in Orange County, California. He's very close to me, but I've never met him personally. We just have a lot of friends. In this interview, I have been re-inspired because he talks so much about how it is our job as yoga professionals, Ayurvedic professionals, to help people be mindful of their daily habits and patterns. And that's not just to say, you know, you have to put the oil in the nose and you need to scrape your tongue and you have to go to bed by this time and you should drink hot water. Yes, all of that in moderation. But also, what are some of the things that are stopping us from reaching our fullest potential? I love that he tied in asking people, what are your personal and professional goals? And what's holding you back from achieving those goals for yourself? And then using that as the motivation to get us to participate in the daily habits that we need to participate in in order to reach those goals. And Dr. Ram talks about the word acharya. And that word is someone who teaches patterns of growth towards higher consciousness. I really loved it when he said that. And someone that teaches us how to change our daily routines to have good preventative health, but also to recover when we've kind of gotten off track and our health is not so good. I think so many people come to Ayurveda and maybe even yoga therapy after they've tried everything else and nothing has worked. All the band-aids they tried to put on the problem fell off. But in yoga therapy and Ayurveda, we are looking to get to the root cause, get to the source, which is imbalances in our body and specifically probably through the gunas of the mind, as well as the the ways in which the gunas infiltrate into our body, we might say the prakriti body. So I love this idea that a teacher or an acharya is someone that's going to help us find those habits and patterns, those daily habits and patterns, in order to bring us to our fullest potential. And another thing that kind of has reinvigorated me about this interview is that that means we have to check in. We have to ask ourselves, as Dr. Ram said twice in this interview, get in the habit of asking yourself, how do I feel right now? How do I feel? Take note. Where are you going out of balance? How are you feeling? And you know, the reason it's so thrilling to me is because when we developed our mobile app for Android and iPhone, it's called Optimal State App on the app stores. That's what it's asking you to do. Check in and say, how am I feeling? We even have a little reminder every four hours if you set it to ask you, how am I feeling right now? So I was getting a little hopeless about the app because I thought, does anybody want to check in with themselves? Is that just a pain to say, how am I feeling right now? But now, Dr. Rama has said, yes, we must ask ourselves this often. And that's originally what I thought when we created this app is 
we need to check in and say, how am I feeling? And then as he said, how do I want to feel for the next yama, the next couple of hours? Do I want to stay in this state of suffering or do I want to shift a habit or a pattern to bring me to a place of sattva so that I'm feeling good and light and free and happy and kind and joyful and compassionate again? So I feel like Dr. Ram really outlined my elevator talk for why we need this app. And I'm just I'm so thrilled that he asks himself that every day, but he's also teaching his clients to ask themselves, how do I feel? So thank you, Dr. Ram. And I look forward to hearing how people receive this beautiful interview. The best of humanity segment today goes to those people who are in education that are still in there doing the right thing, showing up every day, giving it their all in spite of how traumatic it can be to be a teacher or an administrator right now. Yesterday, I had a wonderful meeting with some administrators from a university and I was in awe. I came home and I told my husband, I said, they're still holding the candle. They're still holding the light. They still have it. I thought we all lost it. I thought education was done. I thought it was blown up. (laughs) It was going to no longer exist in the way that we've known it. And these educators were like, no, we're still in this fight. We're still getting this done. We're still holding compassion and kindness and good work and making a difference in communities and educating people. It really lit me up for the rest of the day because I sometimes feel despondent about these things and to see long-term educators still willing to try to educate our students' hearts, minds, and spirits was so thrilling to me. So I just want to give a shout out to those educators out there that are doing all that they can to hold the light for all the future generations. We love you. Thank you. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler, and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Please nourish yourself, take time for yourself, and really relax into listening to the podcast. Today, it is my honor to welcome Dr. Ram Tamang, and we're so happy to have you here. I've heard about you for several years now, and welcome. Thank you, Amy. It's like wise. I've heard so much about you from many of my clients and friends, and and finally, here we meet. Thank you for having me here. You know, we both live here in Southern California. I'm up on a mountaintop in a cabin and you're down in the the real world of Orange County. But as we were talking a few minutes ago, just kind of checking in with each other, getting to know each other, you told me that you grew up in Nepal. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience of growing up in Nepal and then finding Ayurveda and some of the other indigenous healing cultures there? And and how did you come to be? 
<laughs> you know, grew up in the foothills of the Himalayas, outskirts of Kathmandu Valley, and you know, just a lot of nature and just learning about herbs and plants and spices in the kitchen, how you can use that for a lot of these ailments before you need to go to the hospitals. Yeah, there are whole stories of you know how hospitals were too far away, so the first line of defense or treatment was always natural. What's in your garden? What's in your kitchen? So seeing that you know, how my grandma worked, you know, with villagers and also learning from uh, the elders in the villages about that, just knowing about it. It's not that maybe, you know, as a child, it's not that I was very clear, okay, this is what I wanted to do, but it was fun learning about it. Oh, this is the plant that you use. You just grew up with it. And, you know, alignment or what, what you may call it. I was one of those from low, low caste wise or whatever they, you know, there is always these hierarchies. And, but I was a curious person who always liked to learn and was always curious why this, what that, and an introvert and empath probably, however you may call it. So people notice that. And with that alignment, I was sponsored as, you know, at a young age to go to Krishnamurti school in in India and which was another beautiful place where I've learned and I think I I really give a lot of credit to who I am today to to the Valley School and to the Jiddu Krishnamurti School and the, their philosophies of just learning and honoring an individual honoring your nature and nature outside and just continuing to ask questions Right. I think it was so beautiful. And, you know, it was, of course, there was a lot of struggles and challenges and the language and the culture, all of that. But all of that. But there was a lot of exposure to nature mm. and honoring yourself and connecting to yourself and connecting to your true, authentic needs and desires and being not being scared about sharing about that, talking about that and just continuing to explore, to learn without trying to be, you know, too judgmental because in Krishnamurti schools till, you know, high school, we didn't have exams. I know when I tell friends about that and people used to be like, what, you didn't have exams? No, you know, we just could be. And so just learning about that, that kind of opened up and helped me tap into a different aspect of me. Um, and, you know, after, during the pre-med, it was that decision-making, you know, what system of med- and I wanted to do medicine. Mm-hmm. I wanted to really get into that a little bit more and had learned about the energy medicine and the the traditional medicines and uh, that it growing up in Nepal and, and the hills. So just learning more in India. And then I said, when I saw the impact of that and how it incorporates everything, it resonated a lot more. Again, it aligned with who I am. Mm-hmm. So that's when I moved further down south in India to do a BNS, which is a six years university degree on Ayurvedic medicine. And that's where I graduated from. And as soon as I was done with that, I had uh, started working in one of the Ayurvedic hospitals and retreats. And there it was where I had met my um, you know, partner, business partner with whom we opened up the healing gardens. So she was a client first who had tried everything and had gone through all the medical tests and all the medical, you know, drugs. And 
nothing worked and more side effects and more issues, more tests. And she said she had, due to whatever reason, she had decided to come to India to Ayurvedic hospital where I was leading the, the hospital. And in three weeks, she was a different person. You wow. know, herbal supplements and and also Ayurvedic treatments, therapies, and it was like a retreat for her. So I think all of those helped her so significantly. She was just amazed, mm. and so she had even then asked me if she opened up something here in, in the states, if I would give her a hand and I would join in bringing about the wisdom of Ayurvedic medicine to the West and to the United States. This was in two thousand and three. You know, and. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, young, curious, wanting to learn and explore. And I said, of course, why not? (laughs) You know, she came back here to bring me into the United States. But you had to be in business for three years. So she couldn't just, you know, bring me in. And in the meanwhile, my brother who's in Nepal and I'm working in India, who loves me so much. He had a you know wallet uh, with a picture of me in his wallet, and he goes and files up for a diversity visa. I don't know if you've heard about something like that. And uh, he goes and fills it up for himself, for me, and some friends. And then he doesn't get it, but he calls me and says, "Ram, check this website. You won a DV, uh, you know, diversity visa, the green card for United States." I said, "What's that?" <laughs> you know? Oh, and, and I know, right? <laughs> So that's how the story began. And so I called my client, my friend, my business partner, and I said, this is what happened. She couldn't believe it. She said, okay. And then within six months, I was here and we started the Healing Gardens of Ayurveda here in Orange County. And that that really is a lottery to get It is a lottery, literally a lottery. But it's, yeah, it's it's, it is a diversity. Energy though, Dr. Ram. So (laughs) maybe it's not a lottery. Maybe maybe there is some light shining out of you that somehow hit a a cell tower over here in the United States, metaphorically. (laughs) It's very, yes, it is. It's that, like, I I just feel it's just, there's so much alignment and synchronicity. Mm. So you have had this healing center, the Healing Gardens um, Ayurveda in Orange County for how long now? Since 2005, so almost 18 years. Wow, Wow. amazing. So in all that you do, I mean, both yoga, yoga therapy, but also Ayurveda, we have so many tools in the tool basket. Are there any that you feel get results or are more important than others? Or do you just feel like it's the choosing the right tools or technologies for the right person is what matters? I think it's really that choosing mm-hmm. the right tool and the right resources for the right person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's again, aligning where they are. And if they speak Spanish, I can't say I talk Nepali and then, you know, please, you don't understand me. You know, yeah, they may understand the energy that there is a little bit of a care. And this guy really wants to communicate, but you won't get them. They won't understand you. So as an Ayurvedic, you know, physician or Ayurvedic doctor and, 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 and an energy healer, I always look into that and meet them where they are. I use the the Ayurvedic yoga formulations, which, you know, the actual practice of yoga and yoga also means herbal formulation, traditional classical formulations, or you customize 
the herbs and that's where having the the experience of years and growing up with these herbs learning about it and also learning the western herbs has given me an edge about it so i kind of customize that for them or use the traditional formulations and so i have a plan with that along with that the ayurvedic treatments and therapies which is so customizable and it can be personalized. And the beautiful thing about each of these things is you can think of your therapies that you can do it on your own. Mm. All the Ayurvedic treatments and therapies that you do at the clinic can be modified and can be done on your own at home. Yeah. With a guidance and a support. So that's the beautiful thing. And then if you need a little bit more of a jump starter, then you come to the clinic to get the whole therapies and treatments and the Ayurvedic cleanses and Ayurvedic, you know, Rasayana therapies and anti-aging and prevention. So there you can go on, right? So, and then of course, above all of that, it simply comes down to your habits, your daily habits, mm. your daily routines. What do you do when you go, you know, you wake up to when you go to bed and in between events and you know, time of the day and the different yamas of the day. So you're basically just working through the day. And that all, your lifestyle, I think makes a huge difference. Your habits and your thinking and your beliefs and, and your routines and rhythms, your daily, your nightly, your seasonal, and based on who you are and what you do, your career. I mean, I couldn't be giving somebody a routine that I did when I was growing up as a kid. They would look at Siram, then go back to the mountains, <laughs> you know? Right. So, yes. And, and so you've been working on Zoom now. I mean, throughout the pandemic, no. I exactly. imagine that you couldn't do certain therapies in the clinic because you weren't in the clinic. That's right. And that's the adaptability of Ayurvedic medicine or natural medicine too. We adapt based on the seasons, based on the needs of the time. I mean, I grew up with no TV till I was a teenager, I just, I remember just having a small radio and it sounds so ancient, you know, but that's how it was, no TV at home. You know, it was, there was no gadgets. It was just playing natural and growing up with nature, nature, like, you know, all of our toys were made with the woods or, you know, twigs and the sticks and it, like some muds in the, the earth and you would play with those. It sounds super ancient. I don't know for many people. Oh, miss that? I mean, you're living in a, a very busy place now with lots of traffic and the 405 freeway, like that's right. a part of your soul kind of long for that simplicity. So beautiful. You know, the beautiful thing about it is it's about simplicity, but you can simplify even the chaos of things. You can simplify things. Mm, yeah. Chaos. Yeah. It's chaos. It's always going to be there in a different form. It was there when I was growing up in the village. It's not that we were free of it. Ah. It sounds from a different angle, from a different view. It's like, oh my God, that's a lot of nature. There's a lot of that. But here too, you can simplify. And that's the beautiful thing about Ayurvedic medicine or energy medicine. It's the energy behind your intentions and your actions, the mm. gunas, and the qualities and the spectrum of energy. Yeah, it was that energy, but there was something that was not fulfilling. And so I got excited and curious when I said, okay, well, I'm going to United States. <laughs> 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 and then I come here, like we're taking groups to Nepal and India for retreats and, you know, going to the mountains and, you know, we used to host a lot of retreats in the past and we haven't done that recently, but, you know, that's what it is. So it is that, you know, it's a spectrum of energy. It's the polarity. 
There's mm-hmm. the good and the bad. It's where you're starting. And so that's the meeting place, I believe, changes, you know, your quality, your gunas in your life. You know, when I asked this question about, do you think there is some special tools? I thought you were going to say the relationship that you have with your clients, because what I hear from your clients, many of them are good friends of mine, is that you're laughing with them the whole session. They feel so much lighter when they come out after seeing you, that there's a quality to the interaction and the relationship that you have with them that reminds them who they really are and not the clouds that have kind of been following them around. So can you talk a little bit about that? Such a beautiful question, Amy. Thank you for reminding me of that because I do believe that I, as a physician, as as a healer sitting on the other side, we're on the same team. Mm. We're trying to achieve the same goal. I'm no better than you. You know, you have all the potentials and all the answers that you need. And a lot of it, you know, it's amazing. I may pretend to know it because of the pulse and tongue assessment. I am a better, I have a better understanding. And I, you know, and people are always amazed by that. But at the end, it's my relationship with them. How do I connect with them? Am I really listening to them so that I listen to understand them individually and connect with them? Mm. And they feel really like a lot of the human needs, if you think about it, you know, as a psychologist, you know, far better than I do, probably. I think we all need, you know, like to be heard and feel like respected for where I am and not judged. And as a physician, when I think of my healer, my practitioner, I would want to, you know, feel that I want to like they're not judging me for where I am and what I'm going through or whatever, you know, addictions I went through and whatever struggles Oh, you can't even handle that. And there are practitioners who like laugh at you, look down upon you. And I don't believe that. For me, I'm on the same team with you. And we just want to understand you deeper. Mm, kindness and, you know, and from a place of compassion. And I think that opens up a completely new door and they reveal so much more. And now you're discovering it together. And isn't that what yoga and Ayurveda was all about? I think it's what it's supposed to be about, but it's kind of rare to find that it's become so transactional. And if you give me this, I'll give you that instead of let's connect and kind of co-create together and find the magic together. That's right. That's right. I mean, when you look at the basic fundamental of health and energy and life, Ayur is a connection and a relationship. It means your sharira, indriya, sattvanatma. It's your physiological body. It's your sensory bodies. It's your emotions and feelings and your spiritual higher self, the cosmic energy. Yeah, right? It is that connection and reconnecting back with that. When I always teach that to the people, I listen to their story, I understand them, but there is a deep lack of connection. And to lack of connection to yourself, which is why in, in Ayurveda and yoga, like, you know, what we say, swast, swasta, mm-hmm. your connection to yourself, your relationship to yourself. So if I can't relate with my patients and clients and rogis, how can I teach them how to connect with themselves? And how, so that's impossible. And especially my goal is to teach them to connect with their body from head to toe. Yeah. Reconnect. I call it the reconnect and reclaim your power, right? I mean, it's really when you think about it, it's reconnecting, reclaiming, and once in a while realizing you're needing to retreat. 
right. and taking that space where all the dances of the doshas or the five elements of fire, water, earth, all of that also starts to fall in place. So creating that connection to your breath, to your senses, to your emotions and feelings, and honoring them there, meeting them there, and just having that and being really genuinely caring and on also somebody who just gently helps you redirect that energy. If their energy feels constricted, a little tamasic, then you gently tilt them towards rajasic. And if you, you know, yeah, and then you just tilt them towards a little bit of that. Once in a while, you need to pull them back towards tamas. Yeah. You know, so, so I call it that dance. And so once you know where they are, it's so much easier mm. to change their perspectives. And, and Ayurveda and yoga was all about that. How you see is as important as what you see when you see and where you see it. Because what you eat is one but how you eat it, when you eat it. And then also maybe to go deeper, you also even can ask why you eat it. Yeah. Why am I thinking this? Why am I doing this? Why am I being this? So all of those, such a beautiful scientific framework there is to it. And so being present, fully listening to understand and connect and helping them connect with their body, their breath, their emotions and their feelings and their higher, better self. I think that does the magic of yoga and Ayurveda. That's why a lot of people probably feel that energy and mm -hmm. they have shared that about me to you. And I'm, I'm honored and humbled to hear that, that they do feel that. Oh my God, <laughs> always. <laughs> you know, I'm, you're teaching us how to deeply reconnect. But I think if we take a step back, one cannot teach that unless they themselves are connected to themselves. So yes. I'm, I'm imagining that this growing up in Nepal with the elders, with your grandmother, with the plants and the garden and the traditional healing systems that you learned, like to me, that feels like maybe it got imprinted into your cells at a very deep young age. Do you think it's easier for you to reconnect with yourself because you had that imprint versus maybe someone else who didn't have a sattvic childhood or didn't have nature around? Do you feel that there's a benefit to your childhood to help you in your job now? There's always an impact of your environment. And we do know that. And I, I of course, I, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of that, the connection part of it, the respect part of it, honoring yourself. You are, you know, yeah, you may be, you may not be good enough in the other's eyes, but there are people who remind you, no, 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 you are still a very special child. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and remind you, and that's such a beautiful energetic medicine, healing modalities of an Ayurveda reminding you that you are unique. There's no second Ram. You know, we have Ram in the other door with the same name, but do they have the same quality like you? <laughs> they don't have your <laughs> smile. They don't have your laugh. <laughs> yeah. And then also like, you know, we talk about herbs the same way, you mm. know, like the, the beautiful thing about that is everything and everyone is unique. And everyone has certain qualities in them. Yeah. Your strength can be your weakness or your weakness can be your strength. It's just the spectrum. It's the gunas. 
on the extremities. It's the spectrum and the polarity, whether you call it the light and heavy or, you know, like, you know, dry and moist, or you say hot and cold, the sun and the moon and the left and the, you know, and the right, or you call it the parasympathetic and sympathetic. And But all of that, coming back down to, does the environment have an impact? Yes. But just because the environment is there, your ability to reconnect with your feelings and emotion and rechecking with your body, when you do that, then you decide, you ask the questions, is it really helping me? Is it serving me? So, you know, you start doing that, then you start becoming more aware and more conscious. And then you take the action that simply turns your alignment with the goal that is important to you. Like, you know, in Ayurveda and yoga, we talk about your purusarthas, you know, big purposes, your dharmas and all of those. So all of that is impacted by environment for sure. But if, and that can push you to the little bit more next level. But if you align with your own questioning and you come up with the answer, don't you think you are a lot more empowered to really get to the goal and get to the destination and to really go after those meaningful pursuits for yourself? like what we call it, the, the dharma. And it can be meaningful, meaningful pursuits can be, I want to be a better physician today. I want to be a better vaidya and a healer today. That's my purpose for the short term. Every time I want to say, what is that I want to be able to give it to my clients and my patients? So that aligns me. And so it goes back down to the connection as a child, helping me to reconnect and connect to understand deeper. So yes, Environment, childhood definitely has an impact, but that need not, I believe that that need not be the cause. Or limit us if we didn't have that. Right. Just because you didn't have that in the past or as a child and as your environment a little different, that doesn't mean your future cannot be aligned to who you want to be. That's all. I, you know, that's being in the present. So I want to say, yes, environments impacts, but I also want to say, don't let that be putting you into a cage and state of tamas or in a state of where you feel like, you know, you are not moving forward. Yeah. So I'm going to jump to a question that I usually ask at the end of an interview, because I think it fits in beautifully right here. You have found your path. You have found your dharma. What is it at the end of your life, looking back that you want to know is true in your heart? Because we each have an individual path, but what is yours? I'm always interested to hear what do you want to know you've done or contributed to this world? Thank you. Such a beautiful question. Just takes me back to me being, you know, 90 year old (laughs) and just helps me look back and say, you know, what is that I would like to contribute or having made a little bit of that simplified the concepts and the principles of yogic medicine and Ayurvedic medicine and make it simple and implementable. Not just, you know, I mean, there's intellectuality, there's the energy, but it has to be implementable in your daily routines. Yeah. And it has to be simplified enough because sometimes the concepts and the principles are so complex and it goes so many layers and many people, that's where the understanding and connecting helps. Where are they? And now they take them one step deeper. Mm. And the right questions helps you do that. Yeah. And so if one thing that I want to look back and say that one day, each day I live, you know, one person, I'm able to teach them that health is in your hands mm. and in your habits and your thinking. And, you know, it is in your hands. 
and go deeper into what does that mean. And so if I've been able to teach that every day and, you know, I think I have done my part of the work and I would be very fulfilled and happy about it. You're such a positive force, like energetically. I just, I feel happy on this call with you. And I I hear that from a lot of people. So as a human being, we all get disappointed. We all maybe have self-doubt or times that are challenging for us. How do you work through that within your own psyche, heart or spirit? How do you, how do you work with that? A great question. I know a lot of people think, you know, uh, I am always happy and very positive. I am, I am. But it's not that I don't feel sad and I don't feel upset and angry and the challenges sometimes, you know, as positive as you try to be, there will be people who really push your buttons. So I, that one simple thing, I have a habit and a routine to check on and check in with myself about what am I feeling? I ask that. And I'm not scared to answer that. Sometimes I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm nervous. And and I'm like feeling clueless. I feel that there are moments like that. And I'm not scared to feel that. What I have created is a habit and a routine where I check in, I embrace it, acknowledge it, and notice what it is doing to my body, my breath, and immediately change that because they're so interconnected with one another, you know, and when you change one, it changes and impacts the other. Yeah. So I'm not scared to acknowledge that the negative feeling that comes with it mm-hmm. and then its impact on the body. But I also don't forget to ask, but now how do I want to feel the next couple hours or three hours? Mm-hmm. I call it one yama. I give it the, you know, every three hours is one yama. You know, there's a change and a shift happening. So I say, for the next hour, 45 minutes or three hours, how do I want to feel? Then it gently focuses and takes my attention to what I want and what's important to me rather than brooding over what I don't have a control over. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So that is the homework that I do to get through my challenges. It's like I connect again. That's what I teach, you know, and that's what I do to myself. That's my habit. That's my rhythm. And was it something that used to happen easily? No, I forget. And But till it becomes your habit and a routine, you do it again and again and again. And then it becomes a habit. And then it's you don't even think about it. It's part and parcel of your daily routine and your rhythm and your charya. See, the word charya means routine your rhythm, your patterns. And we Ayurvedic Vaidyas were called Acharyas. Mm. The ones who taught those patterns that supported you in your growth towards the higher consciousness or help you slowly change your routine, slowly, so that it kind of takes you from disalignment to if it's dragging you down or helping you grow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I do believe that you know that's 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 the habit that has helped me get through my challenges and the emotions. And you know, mental health is such a big issue today. I think, especially you know, with the pandemic, the the next pandemic, if you will, is this mental health crisis. And I'm sure you're seeing a lot of clients that, in addition to whatever's going on in their body are now 
having anxiety and depression or post-traumatic stress disorder that's been triggered. So what does Ayurveda say about that that could be helpful to us? You know, you're so right. It is becoming a pandemic in terms of so much of the, the the psychological, emotional traumas people are going through, and it's becoming more and more, and it's being talked about more, whether it's trauma, whether it is imposter syndrome, like, you know, I'm not good enough, or, oh, and because that thing, the gaps are becoming so extreme between the, the polarities, and then we're at one end, on the extreme, and then we're looking at the other, and how can you be that? So the gap creates more anxiety, and there's more overwhelm and you are on the the rajasic or the sympathetic you know push or the fight flight and the and you know survival uh, and the freezing so all that's going on so so one of the things that ayurvedically we always look at it is how do we simplify it again simple homeworks of reconnecting back with your senses daily habits of reconnecting back with that your sensory care your eye, your nose, your ears, your skin, self-massage, in the nausea, and, and the eye therapies. You do that and at the clinic. So you do it personalized with the herbs and anti-inflammatory herbs or soothing herbs or, you know, nerve tonic that what we call it now today, you know, neuropsychoimmunological, you know, studies that has shown that everything is connected. Everything is you know, interconnected. What happens in your gut, you know, impacts your nervous system, your brain, what's happening in your thinking impacts your gut, your immune system, your psychology, all of that. So knowing that, so there are Ayurvedic therapies that helps with that. Like, you know, Abhyanga, as simple as Abhyanga and Shirodhara and Nasya. Mm-hmm. You can really take care of a lot of that. It helps you to connect with your body, helps you breathe better and helps you acknowledge and appreciate your body. And now you begin from there. So that's number one. Then also, in addition to the therapies, there are a lot of herbs, maybe, you know, that can be personalized, customized, like as simple as depending on your body type, depending on, you know, whether you're predominantly one which is always hypervigilant and a stimulant way, or you're going into a little bit more of a depression or sadness. So depending on that stage, you need to do stimulation or pacification. And you can do it with the breath, you can do it with the self-massage tapping or gentle squeeze, or you can do it with the herbs too. And But if you combine all of them along with the therapy, you see a faster result. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you about the herbs because some of my friends that have come to you are basically telling me it feels like a miracle when they take these herbs. They've been maybe highly sympathetic for months and literally within two or three days, they feel like, completely shifted. Do you get your herbs imported from India or do you have a company that you work with? How do you make sure you have really high quality herbs? It's a brilliant, brilliant question. You know, it is the source you have to trust. And again, a lot of the time you have to trust that what they are saying, what they are claiming is true. And, you know, you can go so far and you don't have a control of that. But Yes, I think, you know, I source few of those from India, many of them even here in the, within the United States. I Some of them are just big Ayurvedic wholesalers like Banyan Botanicals. And um, then there's the, the Kerala Ayurveda Academy. There's also Cortical and there's also Mountain Rose Herbs. So you can get single herbs and things like that. So there are a lot of these places you can source it now who are organic, certified and all the lab tests has been done. So that those things that always definitely help a lot. And, yeah. and so knowing that, then once you have the resources of the single herbs, then based on your understanding, your assessment with the pulse and tongue and the eyes and the nails, 
and of course a lot of questioning then you can put together the formulation and since the sources these are the sources that where i get my herbs from yes i mean you know i do believe that herbs have a lot of power you know and the way ayurvedically we look at herbs choosing is also there is a whole pharmaceutical and the whole framework to it itself like in, in the understanding of dravya guna sastra or what we call it the herbology the, mm. the ayurvedic herbalism yeah so and then mixing it in terms of understanding not just the active ingredient in it but just understanding from the perspective of bioenergetics like you know the taste the potency the the post digestive effect in the system then a special effect of that plant and so all of that plus there's more and then also once you do that then your art and science of being able to combine that that always makes a difference i believe that probably that's where and the energy of the the maker like the way they say you know the energy of the cook and the chef how they cook the food impacts the food quality and the guna i i think you know that's another truth and i truly believe that there is that magic in both <laughs> so there a little joy in there. <laughs> uh, so I I've just got done saying that I hear that people feel like something deep inside them has shifted but for the average person what's a reasonable outcome that they could expect from the work that you do? Fantastic question Amy. You know again I have so many people through the years of my practice seen people who have no idea about ayurveda. absolutely you know it's just a human connection that this guy really knows what he's doing and and i do i mean if i don't and you know my ability to accept what i don't know and where i feel i don't have the knowledge and the skill to be able to assess and say i don't think i can help you with this i say please go see another practitioner or go to a specialist who might be able to help you immediately mm-hmm. so my i think that is there so the languages are the 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 languages of the modern medicine the allopathic medicine and understanding the anatomy physiology from that perspective also helps me communicate the effect and the efficiency of the formulations i put together i think that always makes a difference so what to expect is really what is your goal about your health you know what does it mean to you and why are you here with me right i mean so then we take it into just it could be as simple as lifestyle changes and your daily habits one habit one thinking a one diet change that will change your energy most of the time people were dealing with energy issues whether it's physical psychological or spiritual energy so if you raise that a little bit that itself changes everything a little bit of that mm. and then people were dealing with side effects of the medication people who want to just do prevention those are the kind of people i've been helping in spite of the fact they have no idea about what i with because you know once they see results i've had people who have been referred by their family and friends and say okay you got to go see this guy and they come in and say what do you know about ayurveda i said sorry and i spend 90 minutes with them connecting with them and helping them understand what's your goal and then i tell them in the language they understand and i'll say where it's coming from in terms of yogic medicine and ayurvedic medicine and this is what you can do and this is where you can start the next the plan they like having a plan i think that's one of the main thing that i've noticed for them so a plan that takes them towards their aspirations of a better health mm. and better health definition is very different for every individuals It's very interesting when you realize that, right? Yeah. 
is. Yes. I, I read once there was this woman who had been studying Ayurveda and then she was hired to teach at a, a teacher training. And she said she started feeling like a fraud because she felt better when she did, uh, what was it like kickboxing or, you know, some of those really hardcore things and ate keto. So she had to stop doing Ayurveda because she, she couldn't promote something that she didn't feel great. And I thought, well, if that's her idea of health to do, you know, super, super, super hard workouts seven days a week and eat primarily bacon and that, if that's her goal, then that's her goal. I, it, it may not be my goal for my definition of health, but as you say, everyone has their own definition and we, I think we have to honor that. Do you? But if they are thinking and it's already harming them, then you point out to them. Yeah. Okay. I think this is, it's not like, you know, just, okay, I am not judging you, but I, it, would it be okay if I, you know, I'm, you're paying me for it. So I'm going to, you know, try to point out if it doesn't make sense, first of all, then challenge me, ask me questions. You're paying me for it, for the time you're honoring me. And there's an energetic exchange. But if you want to see and change and improve, let's be clear. Why is it that you're looking for what you want to achieve in terms of that health? What are you trying to do keto for? What is the goal? But do, do know that anything that you do in extreme only is going to create more imbalances in the body. And just watch for those signs and symptoms. And if that's happening, then you got to cut down or do something else to match that extreme with some other habits of doing that. But the more extreme you do, high intensity, is going to increase more inflammation in the long run. Short term, it'll help you. And so what I say is with intense, in, you know, with intensity, can you also bring some intentions and just be mindful and connect with your body? And is your body really happy with it? Long term, that's the key. Does that make sense? That's how I point it out. And yeah, and, and I think it's easy. And, and a lot of the time, I think it's helpful because people have already heard about me and they have seen, because friends who have seen the result, they have sent me. So they're already, I think, already having a little bit more of the open mind about it. So I think I, now I am in a position where I feel I don't have to be in that space of needing to constantly challenge them, but I already communicate with them saying, if there is a need for a challenge, would you be okay with that? Right. I, I start with the permission. I ask that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I yeah. think the assumption is also that they're suffering when they come to see you. They're they're wanting to know how can I not suffer in right. this. Way. Yes, but then in wanting to change, if you go with the energy, feeling that I'm already in the state of dukkha, mm. then your energy already like in the state of suffering. I want to change, but there is suffering. Yeah. And you don't know what to do. I say, I understand that, right? But okay, instead of saying, like looking at the gap and saying, oh my God, will I ever get there? I say, okay, what, what's the next right one habit that you can add and do it differently for you to be able to see a shift in your energy? And what's important to you in your life right now? Because yoga and Ayurveda is so beautiful because it can be, it's energetic, right? It's concepts, it's principles. Ayur means life. Life could be the relationship of health of your body, you know, your senses, your mind and your, your spirit. And, 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 but at the same time, it also means what's important to you in your life, at this part of life for you, mm-hmm. like your relationships, your career, your health, your community. Um, you know, I think sometimes we forget. 
Yeah. And a lot of the time, you may have the best of the health. You have the energy, you know, like as if you've just drunk three cups of coffee. <laughs> you know, that would not feel good, but I understand <laughs> what you're trying to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But what I'm saying is, and you may have financial success, you may have all of those, but if you are missing on any one of these other aspects of life, what's important? Yeah. I mean, now there are evidences studies, social sciences, and all these other neurological studies that have shown that if you're not feeling, and if your bars are not raised and standards are not raised, and you're not improving in all these areas, that is where you feel something is missing. And you're not really in that state of being in the state of Sukha. Then you're still feeling that dampness of the Dukha, the stickiness and the gooiness and the glueiness of the Dukha and suffering. And Ayurveda, we call it that ama, whether it's mental or physical. Mm. And so you detoxify one habit at a time that's holding you back on that area that's important to you. And raise the bar from, if you scale it up, like, you know, I sometimes play that game saying, you know, when you, what you see, you believe. Yeah. So then let's scale it up. And that's a little bit of the modern version of trying to, you know, bring the Ayurveda for the understanding of people to be able to understand that. People who cannot feel it and sense it, I say, okay, see it then. Mm. And then rate it. In relationship, do you believe you're 10 out of 10? And how important is that? And so what one thing can take you a bar high up? And and do you just usually focus on one or two things? Because I've I've gone to many Ayurvedic practitioners in my lifetime and I'll get like long lists of foods and oh, activities and herbs. And it it feels so overwhelming. Do you just try to focus on one or two simple things per visit? Amy, what a beautiful question. It's so true. We know a lot of things. And when you have too many things to do, it's already overwhelmed. You're coming because of overwhelm. And if you give them 10 different things to do, they will end up doing nothing. Yeah. And it is true simplify it and give them one or two that they can actually apply and see the change. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do break it down and simplify it. Instead of giving 10, yeah, list of food, like a literally a big list of them. And I go out and buy it all and then it sits there and I get mad that I just spent $400 on all this stuff. And it, like, like you say, I'm overwhelmed already. I don't, yeah. can't do so many things all at once. And the thing is, in the world of today, that becomes one more distraction, sensory distractions. Yeah. We have all this information. Honestly, the amazing thing is the other day I was teaching Ayurvedic practitioners. I said, you know, and for the first time, I, I, when I told them Ayurvedic practitioners, it's like, you're going to be my colleagues. And they're like, well, for the first time, Abhidya has told me that. And these are new practitioners that I was teaching. So they're like, colleague, I, we feel honored. I said, you know, as much as I know, I know, you know, like, you know, what you know. And you know many things that I don't know, <laughs> you know. And and so when you have too many things that you give, it is really adding to more overwhelm and more distractions. But simplifying it, I think if you could just simplify it, simplify it based on where they are, who they are, and why they are there with you, connect with them. And if you take them one step at a time, and then once they start to really see and trust you and build that rapport with you, as practitioners, I always teach them that. It's your connection with them. That rapport that you build, once they trust you and they believe in you, then they will do 10 things that you tell them. Mm, so build up to that. Yes. 
But if you're right in the first day, give them 10, then you've lost them. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what advice would you give to us as care seekers? You know, we're coming to you for your advice and your expertise and your knowledge and your ability to read our pulse. What advice would you give to us as care seekers to get the most out of our visit with you? So one of the main things that I say is, look at your habits. Are they aligned to what health goals or relationship goals or any goals that you're trying to achieve? In Ayurveda, we call them purusarthas. Are they aligned to your dharma, your goals, your aspirations? It has to be that, whether it's health, relationship, finance, career, are they aligned with it? And then if it is, keep connecting to that. That's an external connection of improving. But internal connection of self-care is also about checking in every hour or two or three, whatever is feasible to you. If you can't do it three minutes, I say do it for 30 seconds. But check with your body throughout the day and notice how your energy changes. And I promise you there are evidences and research on the neuroscience that actually has shown that your productivity and your focus and your attention span increases just because of that simple connecting with your body and doing self-massages. If you're feeling overstimulated, doing gentle squeezing self-massage of the whole body, you really, that is an anti-inflammatory. So connecting with your body, pausing and rechecking and, re, you know, resetting your breath throughout the day and make it a habit like in this once you do it it's a 30 seconds you're basically taking it back to the way it is supposed to be and when you take your body and your breath back to where and how it's supposed to be it heals naturally then emotions we don't even many times it's fascinating when you say have you ever asked and checked in how you're feeling and what you're feeling and so i say as practitioners and healers and caretakers. I say, ask this, what am I feeling at this moment in time? You know, your clients might have pushed your button. Sometimes it's your kids, sometimes it's your spouse. And then it piles up and cumulatively you become very reactive. Then you lose control of your own actions and your responsibility and your response. Yeah. Now, Asking that simple question, I think is really powerful. And that's something that has really, really helped me. Connecting with yourself and your emotions, asking that question has changed my productivity and my energy. Honestly, that's how I really believe that. And not forgetting to ask, but how do I want to feel? Gives me a sense of clarity and direction and makes me more intentional in my habits and in my actions. And I would strongly Say, you know, if you want to be a better practitioner, you know, better self-care or self, you know, caretaker or and improve aspects of life and improve your health, your energy, your productivity, and, and even just finding purpose, this becomes your mini purposes. And this changes your charya. And just look at it. Is this aligned to what I want to achieve in my life or where I want to move and where I want to go? And we always talk about being present but present, that's a purpose. In the present, how is my energy? How is my gunas and quality in my interactions with somebody? That clarity, how do I want to be, really, really has helped me 
be a better practitioner, better human, and you know, just be a better friend and a better you know partner. I believe, and I think that's what I would hopefully you are able to see its effect on all of you as well. And so I would say, give it a try and and let me know, you know, what it feels like for you or and all the I listeners. Love, I love what you're saying. I, I'm going to let you. You say it in your words, but in my after show notes, I'm going to expand upon this because I think this is the key, exactly what you said. So is there any last something that you wanted to make sure you shared with us today that we haven't yet covered? You know, I would simplify it again, just the qualities and the gunas, the qualities in you qualities around you. If you are able to see it, hear it, feel it, and what does that mean? As simple as, is it heating? Is it cooling? Mm -hmm. Is it like really heavy in terms of what I'm exposed to energetically in my diet, in my, the words that I'm hearing, seeing and feeling, and is it too much, the high intensity? So is it too sharp or too dull? Mm -hmm. Is it too actively moving, chaotic, or is it too thamasic and it's, you know, stagnant? Mm. So when you start to compare that, understanding that quality really and implementing it and applying it and making the choices and habit choices and changing that will completely change and improve the quality of your life. I would say understand that and simplify it for yourself. I completely agree. You know, almost every morning I'll check in and if I'm feeling high vata, I'll choose different routines for that day. Or if I'm feeling kind of angry and frustrated, I'll choose different activities, different foods. It's such a beautiful self-monitoring system to keep ourselves in homeostasis, I think. It really is. Yeah. And understand the qualities and add qualities to your life. That's how I call it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'd like to bring up your website just so that people can find you. We have a lot of people. We have over 800 people that listen to this podcast a week and some episodes over time have many, many more people and I want them to be able to find you. So the website is the healing gardens with an s.com but there is one g so t h e h e a l i n g a r d e n s.com and is there anything that is upcoming for you dr ram that you would like to tell us about or should we be doing spring cleansing soon? <laughs> like what do we need to know that, that you're, you're offering that could help us? Yes, we are planning for our spring cleanse. You know, I do offer very personalized and customized throughout the year cleanses and detoxes, herbal cleanses and Ayurvedic cleanses at home and in the clinic. So we mm-hmm. do that. So we do have something coming up for the spring as well. And we'll be putting that up on our website as well. Or you can also reach us. And if you have any questions, you know, you can email or you can call us. Um, our direct number is on our website, 714-730-7919. And also email us, info at thehealinggardens.com. I again repeat, it's only one G between the healing and the gardens, like how Amy also pointed out with healinggardens.com. 
So yeah, so we are thinking about that as well. And is there a podcast? Yes, and so that's been on a hold for a while. We haven't, you know, added momentum, and that's something that we needed to start doing back as well. <laughs> so, which I think this year is going to be in our list of things to to improve and, uh, you know, to get get it done. So, yes. And if someone wanted an Ayurvedic consultation with you, you can do it online. Yes. Yes. So we do have online if you are people, somebody who's out of town. Um, and then we also have that in the clinic. So we are offering both of those at this point in time. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being here with us today. It's just been such an honor and a pleasure to be in your company for this hour. And I hope to continue this relationship and come down and receive some services from you. Yes, Amy. Thank you. Likewise, the pleasure is also very much mine. Thank you. I've been a long due. Heard so much about you. I know. Finally, see your face. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. So, as we wrap up this interview with Dr. Ram, I just want to go back to something he briefly kind of rolled through when he was introducing himself and telling us his origin story, and that is that. He grew up in a small village in Nepal, learning from the elders, learning from his grandmother, how to work with the five element theory. And, you know, in this village, maybe they didn't call it Ayurveda yet. Maybe they call it Nepalese healing or Tibetan healing. But as he said, these are basically one and the same. They're working with the five elements of earth, water, fire, air, and space. And how are those imbalances showing up in both our body, but also our mind? And one of the things he told me offline that I I just think is, is beautiful is that he is the first person in his tribe to become an Ayurvedic medicine doctor. So think about this young boy from Nepal traveling to India to go to the J. Krishnamurti school, little shining light showing up, then traveling south in India to go to Ayurvedic school and pre-med and all of this. And being in a system or a caste system where that maybe shouldn't even be an option for a young man that, that grew up in this small village in Nepal. And here he is, helping us on a podcast and in his clinic, the Healing Gardens of Ayurveda, basically lightening up and brightening up all of our days with his wonderful laugh and beautiful smile. It's It almost seems like a fairy tale to me that he's here in Southern California with us and he's had this journey. And that really gives me hope that anything is possible. Anything is possible. Don't limit yourself. As he said, even if you didn't grow up with this idyllic childhood, anything is possible. You can create the life you want. You can start working towards your personal goals through self-empowerment and changing your habitual patterns. So that is the message of today. And thank you, Dr. Ram, for reminding us of that. Please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter mailing list, where we give you a free gift every single week. 
it's usually something that the guest has been talking about, like a book chapter or an article or an infographic. Check out the show notes for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content. And that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria and Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.